I, I think the thing is a lot of LGBT people, sometimes they feel cornered. Like it's like, it's their job to go and advocate for themselves and they shouldn't have to do that. Right. Like that's exhausting to have to defend your existence all the time in a, in in a faith space. It's, it's traumatizing. Um, So we really need the allies to step up and to have those conversations. Um, I think often stories are a great way to go. That's a lot of what I've done with, with my story is go into those spaces and share my story. I feel like it's not until you really know somebody that personally identifies that way, whether it's your, you know, you suddenly have a a brother or a cousin or an aunt or somebody that comes out, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, something that you thought was way out here as those people, you know, suddenly is right in here in your very own family. It's somebody that you love. It's somebody that you care about. And suddenly your perspective shifts, right? Because you know that person and you care about that person. And so I think having conversations around stories like that really make a difference. I don't think it's, people argue theology a lot, but I think it's really stories that change hearts and minds. Church, what have we done? We are all very, very good at pointing the fingers, aren't we? I am. I know I am. We create little sub pockets of humans that are better than other humans. We other people so, so, so quickly. We make people feel shameful and guilty about things that often I don't think we need to. One of those things is their gender and their sexuality. Now, I'm aware that there are many, many articles and fundamentalist evangelicals that would say, Seth, you are ridiculous. This, that, and the other. And I'm here to tell you, I don't care. I do not care. I am thankful, though, for people like Amber Cantorna. So Amber came on the show. She has created something called the Unashamed Love Collective. It's a group that you'll hear her describe kind of its purpose and what it does. And I think spaces like the Unashamed Love Collective should should exist, need to exist. And they take intentionality. And that's what I'm so thankful about with Amber. So that's it. I wanted to get into this one quickly. So here we go. Cantorna, and I've been terrified all day that I'm going to say that wrong. That's right. It's wrong a lot. It's okay. But was that right? Yeah, that's right. Cantorna. We did it. Y'all can't see because I'm not going to do the video this week, y'all, but I'm excited about that. Um, (laughs) So anyway, 
I have joined you tonight, or you have joined me on the internet tonight, because that's the world that we live with. We've joined each other Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, this this is now a holy space, because two or more are gathered. Four are gathered together. (laughs) Five, five, six, six if you count the animals. So anyway, um, welcome to the show. Uh, And Glenn, if you're listening, I don't think he listens. I think he, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, Thanks for putting us together. And again, sorry for my delinquency. Um, and getting back with you. But for those that are listening and they're going, okay, so I saw the show notes. What is an amber? Who is an amber? What What do you say to that? I I am an amber. That is me. <laughs> <laughs> I am such such thing. Um, yeah, I I am an author. I am a speaker. I work primarily at the intersections of LGBTQ identities and faith, um, helping. LGBT people navigate their coming out process, uh, mainly those that come from conservative evangelical backgrounds, uh, because that was my background and my story. And so it's played a significant role in my life. And I um, have therefore had a passion for, for helping others yeah. kind of walk that same journey. Yeah. So in say two minutes, because I did YouTube you, is that, is, can you use that as a verb? <laughs> Is you anyway? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, and and I listened to bits and pieces of your story because Amber, I normally have read whatever we're going to talk about um, so that I can form questions that hopefully no one else asks because that's more fun. Um, <laughs> but I haven't done that because we haven't I haven't read anything um, for this conversation. So it's as free form as it can be. Can you give a bit of that backstory as you feel like it's relevant to some of what you're doing now and what you're on to talk about tonight? Like, why do those two make sense for you to do? Sure. So I grew up in a very conservative evangelical environment. My father um, has been in a very high-powered position at Focus on the Family for over 30 years. It's Dobson, right? So, James Dobson, Focus on the Family. Yeah, yeah. Pretty close, pretty close. Um, no, 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 not your dad, but that's that's yeah, that ministry, Not my right? dad, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Dobson is the leader of Focus on the Family. So I was actually, I was born in Montana, but by the time I was three, we had relocated to Southern California, where Focus on the Family was starting up. And then when they moved and uh, kind of transplanted themselves to Colorado Springs, uh, my family moved with them. And so we came and put down roots in Colorado mm. Springs, which... Um, for anybody that kind of grew up in the evangelical realm knows is like this epicenter for evangelical ministries. You know, we've got a uh, focus on the family. We've got compassion. We've got the navigators. We've got um, new life church. I mean, it's just like this hub for all these evangelical ministries. So uh, that was the culture that I grew up in. Um, and I was homeschooled and I was raised uh, very much in the heart of purity culture mm. And that really informed my understanding of the world and myself and faith um, until I was in my early 20s and realized I was gay, mm. uh, which came at that like much later time in life, right? Because of purity culture um, in which you you didn't date and you didn't, um, and you, I was homeschooled, so I wasn't even like around other people a whole lot that yeah. uh, like, like you would be in a high school setting where you're engaging in in different relationships and, and kind of learning and growing um, as one should during that time in life. And so um, I, I really didn't have any of that exposure to any diversity of any kind. And so it took me until I was in my early twenties to start realizing um, that I was gay because I had no vocabulary to put to my experience. And when I did come out, 
Um, it went exactly as you would have expected it to for the daughter of a focus on the family employee. You just know? embraces all over. Prodigal daughter Everything, returns. Fat and calf out. Absolutely. And on high. Yes, that. <laughs> Um, no, they, I mean, they compared me to murderers and pedophiles and took away my keys from their house. And so mm. they felt like I died. But you know where they hide it, right? Cause you're still in the family. Yeah, maybe, no. maybe they hide it in a different spot. I know where my mom hides the key. If she, if she disowned <laughs> me, so I can, st- anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I, um, yeah. So I got about that far into you talking about your story on a few of the videos that I watched. And yeah. then I got angry um, mm-hmm. and I turned it off and I didn't go back into it. And I'm aware that you've written a book about that as well. I almost bought it and then I didn't want to get angry um, and because I've read four or five stories like that. Um, the most recent book would have been Out Love um, by, um, yeah, um, who I've also had on the show. But yeah, I just, uh, I want to, I think I'm going to go a back in story. Yeah. I just, I think I want to go back into regular theology books that, that, that don't have any personal stories in them and just get mad at Calvin and, and, and Jacob Arminius. You just get mad at, at random people. Kathy uh, Baldock will help you do that. She's great at that. Who? Kathy Baldock. Who's that? She's done incre- oh, you, oh, you need to know Kathy Baldock. Kathy with a C, Kathy with a K. With a K. Kathy with a K. Bald um, done incredible research on behalf of LGBT people, mm. uh, especially as it relates to faith and history and um, from all different perspectives of, of medical and psychological and cultural history that have like brought us to where we are in this time. And especially um, as it relates to evangelical history. Yeah. So interesting. Yes, I will. Um, hundred. Yeah. So if, so say someone was listening, and um, one of two things happened. Either they knew that they were going to transcribe that in an episode or they were like, wait, Kathy, who with a K? How do you spell that last name? B-A-L-D-O-C-K. Not how I spelled it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I will. Yeah, I um, need to look her up because she's doing incredible work right now that uncovers um, mm. like the word homosexuality got in the Bible in the first place. Mm. Because yeah. it actually didn't until 1946. Yeah, your we, grandparents are older than that word being in the Bible, if you're listening. Right. Um, so that's when you start thing. realizing that, you start unraveling a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, you can have this assumption that it's always been there, and it's not at all true. It's fun when I um, I have that conversation sometimes at work when people realize that I'm, I'm good at money and I enjoy theology. Those are my, those are my two <laughs> things. Um, and we'll have conversations like, you know, after work, or they'll call me on the phone or whatever. And, um, and we'll go round and round and the amount of education or literacy of the way that the Bible became the Bible, or really, I think any religious text is, it's so, dis, it's, it's disheartening, but it takes a lot of work. Um, mm-hmm. And most people I think would rather not do the work. Um, that's okay. So you were doing a new thing. Um, and I think dropping Kathy's name in there kind of makes sense for what you're doing. So you have a community that... Um, I cheated and listened to 10 or 15 minutes of Glenn's episode. You like you, you called it a, uh, a COVID baby or a COVID like incubated like idea yeah, or yeah, something like, like that. Baby. Yeah. yeah. So it's not a book, correct? It's, it's not, it's not, a book. it's not something you have to read. So there's no homework then. None of that. Don't have to worry about any of that. Right. What, what are you well, doing? There, there can be homework, but it depends on how you decide to engage. <laughs> so what are you doing? What is it? <laughs> um, so I, ha- my pandemic baby was, uh, what has now become the unashamed loved collective. 
mm-hmm. and it's a online group gathering of kind of spiritual nomads, people in deconstruction, people who are coming out, people who are asking questions about life and faith and um, trying to understand all the things, right. And mm. just need a place to ask hard questions. And um, so it's become this beautiful group of people that gather online and we do read a different book every month to kind of help expand our understanding of ourselves and the world and faith. Um, many of them are by LGBT authors or allies um, but we're kind of expanding at this point to even include other faiths and other perspectives. Um, and then we, we dialogue about that content throughout the month. Um, we, we have a meeting at the end of every month virtually uh, where we gather together and discuss it. And then we host a live interview with the author of our book, which is pretty mm. cool. We've had some great authors on there and some great discussions. Um, but it's also become so much more than just um, just that. It's become this community, a safe space for people to to explore topics, to ask hard questions, and to do it in a safe space where you know it, it's private, so people don't know that you're in this group. You you it's a paid membership, so it keeps the trolls away, and um, and people don't know that you're in there. It's nobody can see, and so it's it's a safe space to come and you know talk about the hard things of life and. I, I think one of the things I love most about it is just seeing how people really rally around one another mm. and um, really show up for one another in the midst of all of the hard things of life, you know? And so it's just really been a beautiful thing to see yeah. happen. Yeah. Let me restate part of what you said in there and then ask a very sarcastic, sar- that's not how you say that word, a very sarcastic um, <laughs> question, but a serious one. So what you described is a group of people struggling about God and needing a safe place to talk about it, and it apparently is not the institutional church that they were raised in. How did we get here? I've had a lot of people kind of compare it to to being church-like, church-ish, you know, because that's kind of what it sounds like. Um, and But yet for people inside the group, um, they're saying like, this is what church is supposed to be. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, like how that's did we, right. how did we get so far away from, from what should be, um, I'm going to steal something that I know Barbara Brown Taylor has written. Cause I've written it down that she did. I just can't find the book about like, you know, when I'm struggling with my faith, I hand it off to you cause we're in community together mm-hmm. and, and I don't have to worry about it for a while. And when I'm yeah. ready and healthy to come back, I'll pick it back up or maybe, yeah. maybe, you know, I just lay that cross down for a while let that yeah. part die, find some new energy and move right. forward. But what, why do you think that, not that that shouldn't exist? Cause I also have a small private group on Facebook. It is not paywalled behind anything, not that it shouldn't be or whatever. And I'm, I'm in there less frequently than I like. Um, but it's a very similar space where I will kick you out. If you're in there, I don't want to see your blog posts. Don't advertise in here. I'll kick you out. And it's just a spot to go in there and say whatever the hell you want. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I love that place. And I like that. It, I feel like it, I, I try to protect it. But why do you feel like the church got to a place that it's not there? Well, I think the church as an institution has become too political, right? Mm. And, and um, too divisive. And, but the reality is that we need one another. And that's why people keep coming back and they keep searching for these places and these communities. And, um, you know, we, uh, this community is, um, does have a membership base to it. So it's $30 a month to be a part of, 
Um, but like I said, I love that because um, it, it helps people to engage mm-hmm. and to stay. Um, it helps us stay up and running to pay our author fees and our speaker fees for people to come in and talk to us. Um, and then we also offer other things like um, a mid-month hangout where you just get together and hang out online and play games or get to know one another or whatever. In fact, that's happening tonight, I think. Um, and uh, so we've got some volunteers to help lead some of those things. And, and um, you know, being able to raise up some volunteers within this community that makes them feel like they have ownership and, and belonging in this space. And mm-hmm. we've been able to launch our own website and do different things. And, um, and I love that, you know, it, it does keep the trolls out because it trolls don't want to pay to, you know, <laughs> pass. so, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, so it, it creates some safe space and, yeah. um, and, and I love that. I love the way that people show up for one another. I think, I think at the core, that is it. We, we need one another. We need people. We need that safe haven. Yeah. And, and I love watching people engage in that space. Yeah. So you've been making it then since 2019, 2020 or 2020. Yeah. yeah. So thinking back over the last year and a half, depending on when in 2020, what has been uh, a couple of the big changes for you? Like where you're in a different spot than you were in then because of the community that, that has been fostered there? You know, I think, um, I mean, it's, it's even, even though I'm the leader of the group, it, it's become kind of a safe space, even for me, you mm-hmm. know, um, and it's, it's forced me to also to learn and to grow because I'm researching books each season. So we only, we only open it to new members twice a year. And we do that intentionally to be able to keep this community tight knit. So you don't feel like you have this constant flux of people coming and going, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's hard to feel safe when there's this constant flux of people. And so you commit for a season, which is six months. And um, that way we really kind of can cultivate that community. And so for me to, as the leader, then I'm always researching these new things, these new ideas, these new topics of ways that we can learn and grow and expand and kind of go to the next place. And so it's, it's really me to, to explore and to expand my own understandings and to try and lead them well in, in that process. And so, um, I love that also, you know, I love the ways that it's pushing me to grow as a person as well. Mm. So right before I got on with you, um, I went to your website just to see what was on your blog. Cause why not? And I saw Darren on there. Um, Darren, I, I like Darren, Darren Calhoun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, talk to me a bit about what y'all talked about. Um, just from the title and a little bit that I read, I was like, yes, I, Darren's the man. I've had him on the show a couple of times. Last time we talked about soul, um, which is, you know, I, I just, I love Darren so much. Yeah. I love Darren too. Actually hasn't happened yet. It's happening tomorrow night. What? Uh, see, I don't know how to read. No, no. That, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it'll, it'll, it will have happened by the time you post this. I just can't tell you what we've talked about yet because it has. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so once a quarter we open, we do an event that's open to the public um, that is not just for our ULC members, but that other people um, in the general public can engage in as well. And so we do kind of, we try to engage in different topics of social justice. So um, we've done stuff around like mental health and boundaries. We've done stuff around the harms of conversion therapy. Mm. Um, The one tomorrow night is on um, allyship and anti-racism. And then uh, later this coming season, we'll also have one on like, the harms of purity culture and how to heal from, you know, sexual trauma and abuse uh, with uh, Dr. Tina Shermer Sellers, who's also fantastic. Hmm. 
um, so I love being able to engage in those conversations as well, right? Um, it's it's always insightful. It's always um, learning and growing. And I'm sure as you know, with the interviews that you do, like each person brings their own spin and their own taste to the conversation. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And, um, some people are super chill and laid back and some people just are super, super insightful and going at it all the time. And I just, I love the personalities of each person that comes on. Mm, I would agree with that. Yeah. Like, so um, yeah. What my wife does not like about the amount of interviews that I do is the, um, the volumes of books that I, that I have. <laughs> like there is literally, I don't know, there's 40 over there on the floor. There's a bunch behind you. Um, I, I can't help myself. Um, I, I don't know. I can't. Um, yeah. You just have your own library going. I know I'd have mine. Well, she told me to give some away and I was like, what? No, you don't, it's not what you do. Um, so I gave some to the church, um, but then I can get them back because they're like in the church library now, which there a part go. of me because of the topics that I'm touching, I feel subversive by putting those in the church library. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. that anybody even knows that we have a church library. Um, yeah. <laughs> just slip them in there. Yeah. So I joined the group and it's a safe space. I'm in there for six months. Um, what, are there any off limit questions? Like, can I just, like, what is, what are the rules? Yeah. I mean, in terms of the people that are in there, I would say the majority of them are uh, coming from some kind of conservative faith background, Mm. you know, a are deconstructing evangelicalism or some other form of conservative faith. Not all of them. We do have some people that identify as atheist or agnostic or um, Muslim or, you know, Jewish. So we've got some diversity there, but I would say the majority of them are, are kind of in this deconstruction process. And so it's, it's meant to be a safe space um, to, to ask the questions. Um, but I also do, you know, kind of monitor we've never had a problem i think just because of the kind of people that it attracts it's never we've never had a problem with people causing you know divisiveness um but i do monitor those kind of things and those kind of questions and um and really it's um, what you get out of it is what you put into it like some people really love to engage online in the discussion questions and really um love some people love showing up for the mid-month hangout some people love you know they can't make it to live because not everybody can make it live to our monthly gatherings you know where are they um, we span coast to coast and a few from around the world and in, in other so countries. when you say live you mean like in person outside in colorado city virtually a block so we away meet the, from we meet the last monday of every month yeah um virtually online but because we span you know four time zones yeah um some people can make it to that live and some people can't. And so we always record it and post it in the mm. group there and people, some people watch it there. Some people never really engage in the discussions at all, but they just love reading the books and hearing the author interviews and, um, or doing it. Some people do it with their spouse and join together and they love engaging that way, you know, or their partner. And, and so everybody kind of has their own spin to it and, and the, how they engage that space um, and that's what I love about it is you can engage in whatever way works best for you uh, to get the benefit from it. Yeah. Can I ask like like orientation, you know, yeah. to help people you know, get, get their feet wet and know how to best get the, get as much as they can for their membership. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I ask a few vague questions for someone? Um, Cause I've been there. I don't know that I'm there anymore, um, but I was there where I was sitting in church knowing that statistically people in the church 
are are going to be LGBTQ. Um, just statistically, sure. yeah. somebody's statistic somebody's lying if everybody says this. It's just not right. somebody's lying. Um, right. Yeah. Anyway, so how does one adequately begin to bring those conversations up in their faith bodies um, in a way that opens that up in a non-confrontational way? Um, because it's, I think it's hard for a lot of people to lose a community mm-hmm. or lose a person. It's, it's a hard spot to pick, and I don't think that the church is still in a way that it should be, that you can just bring that up. Um, not every church. There are some churches that are intentionally, um, you know, protecting that space. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the listeners, I don't think that that's the case, if, if they still even go to church. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I think, I think a lot of our members in the collective, whether they're LGBT or allies, um, are there because they have left the church mm. they, or they've been kicked out of their church mm-hmm. and they still long for some kind of community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is like kind of a, a new way of doing that, a new way of doing community and, and, and hopefully a safe one where everybody feels like they belong. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's what the church is meant to be. And not all of the churches are willing to have those hard conversations, unfortunately. Um, and, and I think that, um, but it's not for lack of need. Cause like you said, the, the numbers are there, the statistics are there. Um, but again, I think a lot of it goes back to politics and, and giving mm-hmm. and tithing and um, what's a, you know, what will this do to their numbers? I mean, I've literally sat in a room of evangelical pastors and had them look at me and say like, if we come out as affirming, this is going to cost me my, my job or my money or my, you know, and I'm like, yeah, it's costing us our lives mm. and our families. Mm. Yeah. Like the price is high. Yeah. So what does we someone do like me that wants to do better, um, what do we do? Stand up in a business meeting and say, we need to do something here. Like, how do you begin with your experience? Um, if someone was listening, like, you know, we do need to do better. Um, where do you start? Yeah, I think it starts by having conversations. Having with conversations. the staff or with the, with, with whom? With, yeah. I mean, if you are an ally, I, I think the thing is a lot of LGBT people, sometimes they feel cornered. Like it's like, it's their job to go and advocate for themselves yeah. and they shouldn't have to do that. Right. Like that's exhausting to have to defend your existence all the time in a, in, in a faith space. It's, it's traumatizing. Um, so we really need the allies to step up and to have those conversations um, I think often stories are a great way to go. That's a lot of what I've done with, with my story is go into those spaces and share my story. I feel like it's not until you really know somebody that personally identifies that way, whether it's your, you know, you suddenly have a, a brother or a cousin or an aunt or somebody that comes out, mm-hmm. you know, and, oh, something that you thought was way out here as those people, you know, suddenly is right in here in your very own family. It's somebody that you love. It's somebody that you care about. And suddenly your perspective shifts, right? Because you know that person and you care about that person. And so I think having conversations around stories like that really make a difference. I don't think it's, people argue theology a lot, but I think it's really stories that change hearts and minds. Mm, no, I think that's 100% true. Um, yeah. 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 And so sharing stories, having conversations about stories, um, I think is really what has the power to kind of shift the conversation. If God 
has a face Her face must look like yours Do you remember like last year I had all those weird ad breaks like it would just randomly be something? We're not doing that. Instead, I thought I'd do this. I need your help if you're able to. Head on over to the website for the show. There are two things that you can do. One is you head over to the website, you click the Patreon button or support button, I forget what I call it, and you jump in there. Those people help make the show a thing so that you can listen to it right now. Two, the easier one, you could just leave a rating and a review on the podcast app of choice that you currently use. Either one of those is fine. But I would love it if you would do either one, specifically the rating and reviewing. It's an exponential thing that the algorithms pick it up. And that's just math. It's just compounding on top of itself. Anyway, all that to say, that was it. That was the ad break. And now we're going to get back into it. So say um, COVID is birthing other projects for the church, not necessarily for you, Amber, and, and for the community that you're building. Um, say it's breaking things or or gestating new things. And lots of big words tonight for some reason. Um, yeah, I also used masticate with my six-year-old earlier, and she asked what it <laughs> meant, and I told her, and she did this. Like, why did you not just say chew? Um <laughs> But I was, you know, we were doing British accents and it sounded good in a British accent. <laughs> um, so say that the pandemic has forced um, one of the things my pastor has said before, like pastors are just in hospice care for churches because the church yeah. is just slowly dying. Um, yeah. But with death always kind of accelerating that. Yeah. Yeah. So say um, say the, the parts of the church that refuse to change um, lose power because of either the ability to, to pay for things or um, the inability for people in a different age demographic or sociopolitical or more gender or whatever that is says, now we're done with your BS and that we're doing a new thing. And you could remake the thing and, and be a voice in that. What is the one or two things with a magic wand that you're like, yeah, this and this does not exist in this community? Like, what is that? Is that is that purity culture? Is it this? Is it what is it that you would be like? Yeah, if we're going to rebuild faith bodies in the West, because we don't live everywhere, um, and and help to remove the things that cause shame and trauma um, and guilt, what would that look like? So that my six year old kids, six year olds kids. Um, possibly are in a much healthier place 25, 30 years from now? What would the, what would be the yeah. thing that needs to be just erased? Well, I think there'd be more than one thing. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I could flip it the opposite and say what it would be for instead okay. of away, I would say it would be for diversity and inclusion and celebrating that. Hmm. Because you celebrate diversity and you celebrate inclusion, then that covers everybody, right? That covers all the marginalized identities of not just LGBT, but of people of color and people who are disabled and people who are all these different smaller groups of um, marginalized identities are suddenly celebrated if you include diversity and inclusion as kind of your overarching um, 
you know, whatever you call it, whether that's your, your mantra, your, you know, your, um, your, like the kind of the rainbow over your church, you know, like all the things have a space here. Um, I think that would really shift um, a lot of the division that we're, that we're seeing take place. Mm. And suddenly everybody has a home. Yeah. If you diversity. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, how do I want to say this question? I don't know how I want to say this question. So, yeah, I do. No, I don't. I'm going to leave it alone because <laughs> I'm not sure how to say it. Um, how how many people are in the community? Like, what what could someone expect? I jump in and there's like 190,000, yeah, like 150 people. And they're like, I'm just thinking information overload. Like, just for those listening, yeah, like, yeah, I can right get now behind we're that. at about 50. 50. About okay. 50 people. Yeah. yeah. So it's nice and tight. It's small. It's enough to really get to know people on a personal level, um, to really build, to build, um, real intentional connections. Mm-hmm. And I, I would like for it to grow a little bit so that, um, cause we're getting to the point where people are starting to be able to kind of like locate those in their area in there, you know, so we've, it's like, Oh, you live in Florida. Well, so-and-so also lives within this region, you know, and so you're finding little pockets of people that can actually like physically meet up in real life, which mm. is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and people have even done that across the country. Like we've had somebody from Florida that drove to Ohio to go to somebody's wedding mm. and some in California that ended up knowing somebody in this little bitty town in Texas that somebody, you know, and like they're making connections and, um, and that, that's been really a beautiful thing to watch. And uh, so I feel like right now we're just at this kind of really cozy uh, size where you can really intentionally build community, but we're also brainstorming for ways that as we grow, we can continue to keep that tight knit community feel um, through doing stuff in regions and that kind of thing as well. Mm. Yeah, no, that's good. I like, I like that. And I will say the world, especially America is entirely small. Like um, I've had people on the show that their brother is a pastor in the city that I work in. And I'm like, yeah, which church? What? I know that yeah. church. Yeah. I still have yeah. yet to go and meet the man because I'm lazy and busy. <laughs> um, so, um, so just a couple uh, final questions just to, I like to end with existential questions. Um, yeah. One of which I think will be easier. Do what? <laughs> it's a little late at night for that. <laughs> no, no. Well, you're in a different time zone, right? Aren't you like two hours behind me? No, no, no. Where are you at? <laughs> I thought you were in a different time zone for some reason. Yes. Oh, don't lie to me. Come on. <laughs> You're killing me. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no. I totally am, but yeah, no. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, well, no, I'm, I'm having a conversation with a person in a different country tomorrow um, where I will talk to them on Thursday and it will be Friday afternoon for nice. them, which nice. is the world works in a weird way. Like, I just, yeah, for something bizarre. in my head is that's, I will talk to you today, but tomorrow we're, we're breaking time. Um, anyway. Um, so what you've already answered this question, but I'd like to hear like some real specifics. One of the questions, there's two questions that I ask everyone. Um, one of which is I need something that people of faith should be vocal about in their faith bodies. And if they don't, it will literally be a hand grenade that everybody just watches tick until it explodes the pews. What is that thing? It's one thing. I think we're seeing that right now with the LGBTQ movement because the generations below us, like our age, you know, like the generations underneath us are 
not tolerating that church is not accepting of their friends, whether they're LGBT or not, Hmm. they're saying that the church is pushing their friends away and they don't want anything to do with that. And so they just are becoming part of the nuns or, you know, people that just aren't affiliated with church because they don't want to be a part of an institution that doesn't accept their friends Hmm. for who they are. And so we're seeing that already kind of starting to die off in the generations that are coming up under us. Yeah. Yeah. I um just it's just a small aside, but it's something I'm really proud of of that our church did. So a couple of years ago, um, we have a, a youth in our in our congregation that is LGBTQ, and so on a Sunday night when normally you know we'd have someone else come in and do the thing, she brought the message, and it was freaking amazing. Like it was awesome. so good. Um, and I thought the church was going because we have never voted on being affirming. Um, which really bothers me. Um, I believe it's actually was on the table and then COVID shut everything down. And then now the business meetings are like, well, what's the budget now? Yeah. What's the budget now? You know, th- so that's the yeah. business. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what kind of church is it? Uh, so we go to a, a co- cooperative Baptist church here in Virginia. Um, but I thought the church was going to lose their mind and I was ready for it. Like I was ready to be like, absolutely not. You shut up. Absolutely not. And that is not, I was totally surprised. Um, anyway, yeah, so just that your, what you said made me think of that, where I was like, absolutely. Um, though we screw up all the time as well, but it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. Just, you know, 17-year-old woman yeah. doing the thing. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, well, the thing is that LGBT people bring such a unique perspective to mm-hmm. the church and bring such um, just beauty and diversity that you don't otherwise see. Mm-hmm. And, I think that if we could celebrate that, it would just enhance all of our perspectives of, of what church body is meant to be and what faith is really all about. Yeah. Well, and not just LGBT um, people as well, like immigrants when they come to your church right. and preach. Yes. Because, yes. Or I don't people know, somebody that doesn't happen to be yes. white. Um, you know, someone that yes. o- someone speaks English as their third language because they dream yes. in a different one. Like yes. all of that matters. All of this. Yeah. Yes. Cause I'm only good at English. Um, so when you try to wrap words around whatever God is, hmm. what is that? Hmm. That's the last hard one. Yeah. I think these days I find I find God in places that are not church most often. Um, I find God in people. I find God in nature. I find, um, I, I would, I would say even sometimes I even pull away a bit from the word God and try to find other, like, I feel like growing up in the evangelical world, you have certain terms or phrases that were just pounded into you so much. And it's like, you almost need a fresh perspective, some fresh language around some of that. Um, and so even things like, um, the divine or mystery or some of that has been really intriguing to me to find some new language around, um, even around faith and around God and spirituality. Um, but yeah, I, I love all those things. And I think that there's a lot to be learned from from other people and even from other cultures and other belief systems. I think we all have so much that we can learn and and glean from one another. And, um, but I think there's so much beauty in that so much Mm. beauty in the city. Yeah. Yeah. That 
is the final question, by the way, but that is actually my favorite question of every single episode. Um, cause the answers don't really repeat ever. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I love that. So being that I am not in your community, um, I'm not a, I'm not in, in, in that group. Um, I'm going to ask a question, but I'm going to frame it through the lens that I have heard you say tonight. And so as humans, we belong together. And, and if we're all an image of God and, or the divine, and that is not a one thing, um, we need each other. And the world has told us lately that we can't touch each other, talk to each other, look at each other. Um, all we do is talk at each other, not with each other. Yeah. And so... Yeah. I would encourage people that need a safe space to jump into Amber's, if anything, um, because I did vet the group. Um, the testimonials of the group are freaking amazing. And so if that is you, Amber, where do they go? Um, and you've also written books and people can do that. So whatever that is, but where do people go? Because uh, honestly, I think a community to be yourself is more important than a book sale. But people Absolutely. people can buy a book. You can whatever you want to say. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no. I mean, you can buy the book. You can do the thing. But if you're going to do anything, like come be a part of our community. Like you won't regret it. It is a freaking amazing group of people. Um, and so registration is open now through the 28th um, of February. So just for about a week or so. Um, and we only open it twice a year. So this is like your your moment to jump on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do that by going to our website at unashamedlovecollective.com. And then uh, there's a registration tab on there and you can get all the info, all the questions, all the things are on there. Uh, once you sign up, you'll be rerouted to um, a brief survey that will link you into our, our private Facebook group. Excellent. Our season will, our season launch will be March, March 1st. Excellent. And then, are there what about resources for someone that um, just got a smartphone on March 1st and realized that podcasts are a thing? They listen and they're like, Man, I missed the cutoff. What are some resources for those folks like myself that if it was not for the last moment, nothing would ever get done? Where would you point those? You know, I would go to the resource tab on my website, mm-hmm. um, personal website, ambercantorna.com. Um, I've got several tabs on there that have a number of great resources for people that are uh, deconstructing or coming out uh, or asking questions about LGBT inclusion and faith topics. Um, I've got a number of organizational resources. I've got a number of uh, books, reading resources, some audio podcast lists on there, uh, some videos. It's kind of a great combination of, of springboards to help get you to that next thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I would check out the resource tab. Yeah, just wanted to ask because I know just the way that I listen to shows. I, I you know, I, I just want to make sure everyone want to make sure everyone has a home. And if you if you listen to this on March first and you are desperate to be a part of this, <laughs> email me and maybe I can slide you under the door. You know, you, you know somebody that, that. I, I know somebody <laughs> that can maybe maybe be that one to stitch in. <laughs> Fair enough, Amber. I've um I've enjoyed talking with you. It's been great. Yeah, thank you. Now, I haven't added it up, but there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of podcasts on the internet, and I am humbled that you continue to download this one. If this is your first time here, please know that there are transcripts of these shows. Not always in real time, but I do my best. And if you go back in the logs, you can find transcripts for pretty much any episode that you'd like. The show is recorded and edited by me, but it is produced by the patron supporters of the show, 
that is one of the best, if not the best way that you can support the show. If you get anything at all out of these episodes, if you think on them or if you, you know, you're out and about and you tell your friends about it or, hey, mom, dad, brother, sister, friend, boss, pastor, here's what I heard. What are your thoughts on that? If this is helping you in any way, and it is helping me, consider supporting the show in that manner. It is extremely inexpensive, but collectively, it is so very much helpful. Now, for you, I pray that you are blessed and you know that you're cherished and beloved. We'll talk soon. And you'll all be fine. You must go. So, John and Jen and Jane were on the streets without home. Abandoned by. Don't you go I want your broken heart And your beautiful soul I felt you hurting I've seen you giving And I'll stay right here Till you have the power to stand They may not want you But I know they need you So let us go No one seemed to know or care about the past Then they showed her where she stood With every vote they cast And they said, Jane Thanks for your time